Just before we start, I want to remind you that you can find the PP6 podcast on Spotify, on Google, on Apple Podcast, and wherever good podcasts are found. You can also get in touch with the podcast on Twitter at podcastpp6 or search for PP6 Podcast, and you can email us at pp6podcast at gmail.com. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Ponder Pick 6 podcast. And welcome back after week 11 of the NFL and of your fantasy NFL. And it's really coming down to the wire now. A lot of changes in the leagues uh, in terms of divisional position. Certainly in our league, things are getting sweaty. Crunch time, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. John, back here again with Ed. Hello, everyone. Age-old question, how was your week? <laughs> At the risk of sounding like a broken record, not brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think you said exactly the same thing at the start of the last one. I've lost four in a row, so it's definitely four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still not out of the playoff run yet. Well, as good as out. All but, but... But if I make the playoffs, yeah. it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah, slightly before Christmas. Yeah. Well, that magic can happen around that time of year. It's looking oh, unlikely. <laughs> magic can happen five weeks before Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Everyone knows all of those Christmas stories are always like... It was five weeks before Christmas and all through the house. Um, well, all the miracles are used up at Christmas, aren't they? So there's a few yeah, exactly. You want to get, you want to, it's like shop, it's like Black Friday shopping. You want to get the deals in before Christmas so you make sure that there's enough like stock. Uh, miracles go the same. Look, anyway, we'll come on to what about my what my week? Yeah, no, well, not your miracles unless you've no, uh, pretty good. But look, I mean, it was a solid win this week for the Horn Dogs, but we're still not safe. <laughs> I'm Which is if I made the playoffs and you didn't. The bananas <laughs> thing about this divisional system, and I don't get me wrong, I love it. I think it's brilliant. There are two teams out of the 12 that are definitely into the playoffs, and no teams are definitely out. No. I was going to say the teams that looked as though they were definitely out last week yeah. are now more in it than others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some teams that look real good that won't make it in. Yeah. So, look, a lot of drama, and we'll come on to that in the game recap. But without further ado, it's time for the news. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. It's bananas. Oh, nice one there, that. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. That's going to be. You can listen to the. You can listen to the blooper <laughs> podcast at the end of the season to understand what just happened. But I also think that that's going to be one of the clips I use for next season's news jingles. Yeah, just us making no, incoherent just noises, complete gibberish, which is not dissimilar to most of this podcast. To be fair. Well, look, coming on to the news, and I'm going to do a segment of this news segment. This is segments on segments. This is segmentception, which I'm going to call the quarterback carousel, which is nice. practically and legally different from the Around the NFL Boys quarterback carousel. Is but it as fun as it sounds? No, not even slightly, but it does involve talking about a few different things that happened to a number of quarterbacks uh, around the league who will or may in some cases, if you were sensible, have been on your fantasy teams. And I think we'll come on to the injuries, obviously, at the, the back end of the news. But first one up is Taysom Hill. And look, we spent a lot of last week talking about assuming Jameis Winston was going to be coming in. And it turns yeah. out if we'd have been better informed, we would have known that that wasn't the case. It turns out if we had done a bit of research in any way, shape or form, rather than just really wanting, let's be honest, we really wanted Jameis. You really wanted Jameis. I really wanted Jameis. Uh, I advised one of our other managers to go and pick him up. 
you had the last laugh. I mean, sort of. I do feel kind of guilty now. But yeah, Taysom Hill under centre. It turns out that the Saints have been saying this season that if Breeze goes out mid-game, it would be Jameis that comes in to replace him because he's got, you know, the experience in that position. And because... Taysom Hill does other things for the team, so they want Taysom Hill still in that game. Given a week to prepare for it, which is what they had now, it's clear that it's Hill under centre, and it's clear that it will probably be Hill under centre next week, because he went out and got them a win, and he also got you some fantasy points if you had him on your team. Absolutely. Well, Drew Brees has been put an eye on now as well, hasn't he? So it's going to be Taysom Hill for the next three weeks, guaranteed? Uh, And the rest, I think. The the suggestion is that Drew Brees will be back in the NFL playoffs, but from a fantasy point of view, he's done, I think. So if you've got Drew Brees, I think it's safe to drop him. And if Tyson Hill's still on your waiver wire, you could do a lot worse than that swap. Oh, absolutely. They're they're a good team. Whoever plays quarterback is going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, okay gets you so far. Tyson Hill was the third highest fantasy scoring quarterback this week, which is really quite impressive for me, old man. Don't know how old he is. He's He's not young. Midman? Midman. I like that. In other news, CJ Parker coming on at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater out injured this week. Parker comes in having taken the Houston Roughnecks to a 5-0 record in the XFL before the, the league was put on hold. I think first major skill player to come across from the XFL to the NFL, certainly from this incarnation, went out and shut out my Lions on the weekend. He's back. He was never here originally. (laughs) He's back on a sports field. Yeah, he certainly is. And in a big way, but not in a big fantasy way. No, he was rubbish, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he was was just not good. Um, I think he had about 250 yards passing, maybe one touchdown. I know he threw a couple of picks because I obviously follow the Detroit Lions on Instagram and they were posting videos of those picks today with a stream of comments of people going, why the f*** are you posting this when we got shut out? We're losing all the time via Matt Patricia. Nice. <laughs> Which I have some sympathy for. But there's only so far that a really nice end zone interception gets you when your team lost 17-0. and Do you want to fire him? I don't know. I mean... What's young, the worst that can happen? He's like a young Santa Claus. Is he? Uh, yeah. He's, what, looks-wise or yeah. attitude-wise? Both. He, he's, he he's gives loads of presents to good boys? He's a big guy. He's got a beard, and he gives away a lot to the other teams. <laughs> I think that <laughs> qualifies as him as young Santa. Like young Indiana Jones. It's a kind of prequel thing going on here. I mean, River Phoenix he's not gonna would not take kindly to that comparison, I don't think. If, if River Phoenix wants to, he can write in and tell me that he's upset with that reference. I suspect he won't be. Mm-hmm. I feel like he probably won't be either. Look, I don't think PJ Walker is relevant in terms of a pickup from a fantasy point of view. Keep an eye on, on the Curtis Samuels, Robbie Andersons, DJ Moores of this world. They're likely to take a bit of a downturn in a PJ Walker-led offense, but not maybe that much. I mean, I think, you know, Moore put up about 22 points this week, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. You, you would think they'd take a downturn, but their their points look pretty similar, and they clearly were getting the same sort of service as they were before, yeah. just with a couple of picks and wild erratic throws in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are—I mean—they're good enough receivers to weather the storm. But what I would say to any owners of those wide receivers is keep an eye out for when they're playing a team that is better than the Detroit Lions. Yeah, it might not be as easy for them. 
Next up on the carousel, Tua Togavailoa hauled out of the game halfway through, replaced by Fitz. And I said this, I want to, say, I want to bring this up. I said this <laughs> about four weeks ago. I said, yeah, but what if he just isn't good enough and then suddenly Fitz Magic's back in and you were like, nah, that's not going to happen. He, he was are. injured though, wasn't he? Cold light of day. Yeah, but how injured? I don't think it was as bad as they're making out, but he he definitely, he rolled his ankle, didn't he, apparently? He did. He wasn't having a very good game before that. No, he was not. I, he rolled his ankle after he'd had a bad game. Do you think so. he intentionally rolled his ankle? <laughs> I think he intentionally said he'd rolled his ankle. Right, he just was like, oh no, my ankle, I have to come off. I think during the, uh, the the coach afterwards, didn't he say, he said he rolled his ankle foot, I think he said. Yeah, yeah. He said ankle sort of merge the word foot in there just the ankle foot the ankle foot it's, it's a hor- it's a horrible thing to injure it's probably the same it's probably the same doctor that stuck a needle in Tyra Taylor's chest yeah <laughs> he's just got a big knot of foot and ankle <laughs> just a club just hanging off the end oh, that sounds pretty bad yeah I mean that does sound horrendous but Fitz is Fitz is back in now at least for the end of that game, see what the injury does, but also see what the skill level does. I don't know that we won't see a bit of a return to a Dolphins committee if Tua doesn't have a, a, a get-right game pretty soon. I mean, Fitz wasn't great, though, when he came in, was he? Certainly not. i tell you who was really good was Devontae Parker. Making, He's a great player, isn't he? Making the best of a bad situation. He had a great game. I don't think he had a great game fantasy-wise, but he managed to eke out about 18 points, I think, from, from that show which is you know i wouldn't sniff at a few 18 points and then in terms of injuries i mean we mentioned obviously to a potentially injured a man who is certainly out for the rest of the season and it's it's sort of heartbreaking to see is joey burrow especially when he's been pretty good yeah i mean pretty good i would say he was certainly in the mix and he's been good from a fantasy point of view as well and that might leave a hole in some people's teams right before the playoffs which which might be tricky to fill yeah there, there'll definitely be a lot of teams who've certainly got him as their second quarterback yeah and they've yeah. now got to go out and pick up Carson Wentz yep and no one wants that no maybe Taysom Hill maybe Fitzpatrick yeah I mean Joe Burrow look he wasn't from a fantasy point of view you know one of your top 10 quarterbacks but as you say he could have been a reliable backup yeah Tough to see for the young man, but he's tweeted, he said, you can't get rid of me that easily. I'll see you all next year. So hopefully, you know, early signs are that he will have a decent recovery. It looked like a nasty fall on his on his leg. But, you know, An ACL? Which, no, I don't think they've said, I think they just said knee injury. His knee sort of rolled as he went down. The guy like fell on his knee. Ryan Finley's taken over for the remainder of the season at the Bengals, who I you think, I think, I was going to say, do you think that they think it's Ryan Fitzpatrick? Maybe. I think Ryan Finley used to be in Westlife. Did he? Beautiful I mean, voice then. Yeah. Sings like an angel, throws like a <laughs> But none of that's true. But I do think I've just found the title of this episode. Brilliant. Do we um, want the phrase in the heading? Yeah, I think so. I mean, no one's listening or reading it anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, it's well, well, also... In addition to Burrow, Kyler Murray looked like he might have sprained his shoulder on Thursday night. Signs are that he'll be limited in practice this week, but he's going to play. So sigh of relief for Murray owners, who would have been putting up big scores for your team if you had him in. He has been sensational this season. Message to Bengals owners is, 
temper your expectations for every other Bengals skill position now on. All of them are going to take a downturn. Yeah, and AJ Green will continue to be disappointing. <laughs> yeah, he certainly will. Juju Smith-Schuster, Julio Jones, both various amounts of injured. Jones went out. I don't know how seriously you could take Julio Jones this season, given what the Falcons are doing. I don't know how serious you can take Matt Ryan this season, given how the Falcons are doing. <laughs> I just, I mean, I I think if you've got Julio Jones, you would have taken him high up, right? He's Julio Jones, and we'll come on to yeah. talk about this in a bit more detail later. But keep an eye on him if he's back. You're obviously playing him, but don't expect too much. Don't be relying on him. And maybe if you can trade him out this close to the playoffs to a team that really needs a wide receiver in exchange for, you know, a top 15 running back, it might get you more points. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Julio Jones always puts up decent scores there when he plays, doesn't he? And, he? and he seems to improve everyone else on the team. Yeah. I mean, Hayden Hurst always looks better when Julio Jones is on the field. And Hayden Hurst looked awful this week. Terrible. I suppose if there's any silver lining to this, it's that Calvin Ridley should have a potentially better game. But mm-hmm. even then, maybe not. I mean, Falcons are, Falcons are bad. Falcons are bad. Yeah. Smith-Schuster, yeah. also bad, I would say, but an underperforming, I think, player on a really good team. Interesting thing that I heard this week in the post-game from the Steelers is that Smith-Schuster, you know, has gone on record to say... I don't care if I get the touchdowns. As long as the team's getting the touchdowns, you know, if I can draw some coverage away from Claypool, away from Johnson, whatever, it's a team effort and I'm not fussed as long as we're winning. He's a good guy, isn't he? Great mental attitude to have on the Steelers. Absolutely shocking for anyone who's picked up Smith Schuster as a fantasy player. Because what (laughs) that says is, I don't, I'm not trying to get you a touchdown. (laughs) It's that nice team player kind of attitude that Antonio Brown hated him for. Yeah. And that Antonio Brown has the exact opposite of. Oh, 100%. It, it, the only thing that matters to Antonio Brown is that Antonio Brown gets touchdowns. Oh, and then he gets some money. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's important too. I think I'll he'd th- take money over a touchdown. If someone paid him not to score a touchdown, yeah. <laughs> and that's, let's be clear, of all the scandals about Antonio Brown that are out there, <laughs> that one is not yet. But if we, if, if we called it, no, 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 but I'm just saying, in the next couple of years, match fixing comes up in his, in his docket. You heard it here first, before it was true. I mean, he'd be a pretty bad match fixer, considering how brilliant he was. Yeah, classic, <laughs> yeah. That was that sort of the problem. He just kept taking people's money and being like, yeah, it's fine, I won't score any touchdowns. And they just run it in over and over again. They're like, what are you doing? It's like, sorry, I just love me. I love praise. Look, other injuries, Rex Burkhead, blah, 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 who cares? Uh, <laughs> Drew Brees, as we said, I think is going to be He's done. out for the rest of the fantasy season. A couple of people might be coming back. DeAndre Swift, be a welcome return in a, in a Lions backfield, obviously, this week that looked absolutely atrocious without him. I mean, they look pretty atrocious all round. Austin Eckler might be back this week, might still take a couple of weeks. If you've got him and you've held on to him this long, you might as well keep him for the playoffs, fantasy playoffs now. If he comes back and he's fit, though, that's a big boost to any team making the playoffs. Certainly, if you've if you've sat on him for the whole season, then yeah, uh, it might take him a bit to come in, but you'd hope by maybe week fourteen he's back in and he's he's taken that job. Gaskins coming back in maybe this week, maybe next week. Salvan Ahmed's looked good for the Dolphins. He might take a hit if Gaskin comes back, but who knows if Gaskin takes over that whole job again? It might be a fifty-fifty. Yeah, I mean. If you're relying on either of those two, you've got bigger things to worry about. Bengals, in the week that they've taken the Joe Burrow hit as well, have also now placed Joe Mixon on IR. Gio Bernard's time to shine still. Gio Bernard's 
remaining time to shine, I guess. But, you know, Shine is doing a lot of work in that sentence. He's glowed for a couple of weeks, I guess. Problem you got if you're a Mixon owner and you were keeping the faith like a Gaskin owner might have been, he's done for the season now, it looks like. He's he's not coming back in until 2021. And, and it's especially annoying if you've kept hold of him throughout his injury problems that he's yeah. had this season. Yeah. And and at the start of the season, if you remember, he had an awful first four or five weeks. Yeah, certainly did. He he will have been a pretty high draft pick. I would say probably around one, certainly around two draft pick. And he would have got you maybe one or two decent games. And that's it. That's Mixon. Look, the last thing I want to talk about on this segment is the Colts and the Eagles. Very quickly... I said last week that I regularly forget that the Colts are even a team. By which I mean, if I had to name all 32 NFL teams, I think the Colts are the one I'm most likely to forget. I don't know how, and I only realised this this week, they're at a 7-3 and record at the top of the AFC South. In a league where the Titans get a lot of praise, rightfully so, for being a, a, an above-average team, for being a decent side, they perform beyond what you'd expect them to. The Colts are somehow above them, admittedly with a joint score record. But I think when you and I discussed it earlier, the Colts team is just awful on paper. Real bad. I mean, and maybe we're just looking at this from a fantasy point of view, because I know the defence has some quality players. But you go through and you think Philip Rivers under centre with the beef brisket backing him up. You've got... Not great. T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Pittman. I, I mean, mean, Pittman's been injured for most of the season. Paris Campbell's been out for most of the season. Most so of the it's been season, yeah. Hilton and Pascal. Yeah. Awful. And, and you've got Doyle and Mo Ali Cox at tight end. And Trey Burton. And Trey Burton. Let's not forget Trey three, Burton. Three exceptionally average players. And then the whole, Hall of Famer. the whole mess that we've talked about at the running back position, added, you know, absolutely to death over past podcasts, is the Taylor, Hines, Wilkins, none of them playing consistently. And, you know, most of them not playing very well that often at all. I, I just don't understand it. But they've put up points. They've beaten seven teams. I don't know how. I don't remember watching a Colts win at any point this season. I mean, their defense has been good. Yes, they have kept points pretty low against them. But as you say, they've scored a lot. And I think the defense has scored a fair amount in terms of pick sixes. Maybe that's where most of the points have come from. Yeah, I mean, from a fantasy point of view, the defense has a hundred and three points. That is pretty good. Second only to the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense, and they have scored four touchdowns. And two safeties. So maybe that's what it is. But, I mean, it surprised me. What surprised me as well is that the Eagles are sat at a 3-6-1 record. And they are the current shoe-in in that division to go into the playoffs. Because every other team in the NFC East is 3-7. and seven. I mean, the Cowboys must be absolutely kicking themselves. that They, they went in there with what is on paper a decent team. Yeah. And they're sat bottom while that awful Eagles team is laughing at them. And the Cowboys look better this week. Um, they did. But I don't know. I mean, I would say it's too late to turn it around, except it's not because they're just no, one not, draw not away from <laughs> playoff certainty. But you think of some of the teams that might not make it through to the Super Bowl from that conference. You know, it's only going to be one of the Rams or the Seahawks or the Cardinals from the NFC West. Yeah, I mean, the Packers have looked good this season. Yep. Saints, Buccaneers. Yep. Saints and Bucks, only one of them is going to go through. Yep. And yet, one of the Eagle, this year's Eagles, Giants, Washington or Cowboys is guaranteed. And at this point, I kind of hope it is the Cowboys or maybe the Giants. I certainly don't want this Eagles team to go through. <laughs> 
I mean, it will be. It's always them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's my little rant. Anyway, that's the end of our news segment. So play that jingle. I mean, it's insane. It's bananas. Moving on to our featured segment this week. And before I do, because it's on the topic of what segments are called, I want to announce the winners of the Ponder Pick 6 competition this year, which was, of course, to name a segment. Entries have now closed. We had a grand total of three people enter. But we had many, many more suggestions than three from those three people. Uh, yeah, and most I, notably from one of them who suggested about 50. Yeah, it's got to be 50, and I'm not. that's not sarcasm. But look, what we've decided to do, because we've got a few segments to think of, and because it's harder for us to come up with a concept without any inspiration at all. Because there's give, no prizes at stake. Well, also, we. I mean, yeah, I think they'll get a little something, but we haven't said what that is yet. Um, Will we get something? Yeah, maybe maybe like a Twix. Oh, we could send them a double, a proper Twix or a snack size. Well, I was thinking like a regular size, but like they do, I've seen like a winter spice Twix that looks gross, so maybe we could send them that. Especially when we buy them in the spring. Yeah, it's, no, we're going to buy them now. We'll just send them in the spring. <laughs> but look, congratulations to GM Arnett, GM Preston, and the commish, GM Campbell. Thank you for your suggestions. I'll just run through the names very quickly of the winners. And, I, and, and a special mention to GM Campbell because one of his million suggestions was just Shag Maria Void. I, I, we're never going to do that segment, but I really <laughs> like the like that hits me right where I live in terms of stupid segments to do on a fantasy football podcast. Enjoy bankrupting John. Bankrupting John was good. Achtung Ambletan was good. Yep, that was good. Um, and I, good ones, to be fair. I, I liked Ponder Pick Six Academy Awards immediately followed by Ponder Dick Picks Academy Awards. <laughs> that was good. But no, the winners are from GM Arnett, uh, the segment Offensive Lines, from GM Preston, picking up on me having said in a previous podcast, I've always got a tingle. The segment is going to be called I've Always Got a Jingle and is going to be a nightmare for me to edit. And then the commission's one that we've picked out, because we've actually thought of something that we, we quite like the idea of for it already, is the Ponder Pick 6 Royal Rumble. So thank you to all of you suggestions for, for those, and congratulations. Your probably quite old, disgusting Twix will be winging its way to you sometime around April 2021. And yep. we will make those segments in the coming weeks. Shame there were no entries from non-PP6 GMs. Yeah. I I mean, know we could have lied and said there were dozens. But we're an honest podcast. That's not what we, you know. We are. We're transparent. Mm. To our detriment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, anyway, on that cheery note, we're moving on to this <laughs> segment, which is fitting, which we're calling Regrets. What regrets? They ask you how you are, you just have to say that you're fine. When you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. Uh, are, we, are we talking about regrets or are we just regrets? Or are we also talking about players we don't regret? I think... After week 11, when you've probably got a clearer picture of whether your team that you've put together has, has made a playoff shot or not, we're looking back over the draft, we're looking back maybe over some older waiver wire picks, and we're saying, are they a regret? Or can you stand by it and say, I regret nothing from picking that man? <laughs> so look, let's uh, let's have a look. And I, I think I want to kick off with, what are yours? And I will just say the words Ezekiel Elliott to you. It's a tough one to say that you regret because, in reality, it was a solid pick. Yeah. It would have been very hard to have not taken Zeke. Was it third pick? 
third pick, Barkley had gone. And and for what it's worth, I don't think this segment is going to be like, oh, you regret taking Saquon Barkley second pick because he went yeah. out injured. Injuries happen, and you would obviously regret that. But there's no, you know, that's not a that's not a judgment call. That's just bad luck. Yeah, and and I I think I'm going to group Zeke into that category because he was scoring give or take twenty odd. 20 points a week. It was It was literally, it would have averaged out about 20, 22 points a week for the first five weeks. And I, I think, I'm pretty sure he was the fourth high scoring running back until Dak went out. I think that's right. So he, he was fine. So I regret it, but I don't think it should be a, and I regret it for the purpose of this segment. We, we need a different phrase. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you can say you don't regret it. Like, yeah, given the pick and a different future at that point, you'd do it again. I mean, I wish I'd picked up Alvin Kamara, of course, but... Yeah, for sure. He went at five to the Gobblers in our draft, which is real low for and, him. And I've got his name on the back of my shirt. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a sensible pickup, but... I would say also <laughs> Michael Thomas, and I think Michael Thomas owners, different to Zeke owners, will regret picking them up maybe as high as, as he went in the first round, certainly in ours, because, okay, he's been injured a bit, but a lot of it he's brought on himself. And yeah, so he had, he had his... his Team-imposed ban for a week. Yep. And then he hasn't been brilliant when he's been on the field. No. And admittedly, he has been trying to get back to fitness, having not featured. But again, I think you would have to say that that's one that is grouped into the injury. That's all been injury-related. Okay. All right. I I think so. I'll give you that. So I wouldn't criticise someone for taking Michael Thomas in the first round. Here's our first name, then, that I think you might look back and regret. And he went in the seventh pick of the first round in ours. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been fit, has been playing, has been fine, but not first pick worthy. He's not first round worthy. And as you say, he's been playing every week. Yeah. I think think that's a regret. Yeah. His ceiling this year has been, I think, 20 or 21 fantasy points in a given week. And he flashed Um, early on, didn't he? He looked like he was going to be so good. Yeah. And I, I don't know that it's it's necessarily his fault. He's on the Chiefs, who, I mean, Patrick Mahomes runs that team, and Patrick Mahomes is someone who runs and who throws a lot, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, when, they, when they've had a running back who is involved in the catching game a lot, like Kareem Hunt was, yeah, they've been great. And I just think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not been quite as involved as people expect him to be. No, and bringing in Lev Bell can't have helped mentally, I mean, it hasn't taken much of a workload off of Edwards Hilaire, but I don't think he's being given the workload to be a real top-end running back in the first place. And I think, unless he goes somewhere else over the off-season, I'd be very wary of picking up Edwards Hilaire anywhere near where he would have gone this time. I I think he'll be going probably early third round next year. Yeah. Unless Um, he goes absolutely bananas in the next three or four weeks. Yeah. Which, you know give him a shot towards the end of the season, but it's not like the Chiefs necessarily need it. I think I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson as our next one. I was going to say one higher than that, Kenyon Drake. Where did Drake go? Oh, my God. 16th. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's... But look, this is where we have to try and talk about things that appeal to a broader listenership than this podcast. And the only person mental enough to have taken Kenyon Drake at the 16th <laughs> overall pick, when Chubb was still on the ball, when Jones, Kelsey, Kittle, oh, Godwin, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins was still DeAndre there. DeAndre Hopkins was still there. <laughs> and we went and he Drake. Was like, no. 
And he'd, he'd already got everybody back. He picked up Joe Mixon earlier, but he was like, what I need is Kenyon Drake. Commissioner makes bad decisions, mate. We we know this. They ask you how you are, you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine. Yeah. Um, no, I Let's think not I'm... lay into him too much. Let's move on from that. Let's just uh, put it there. Kenyon Drake's a big regret. Yeah, he's great. Everyone. Right. Um, I regret I th- it. He regrets it. I think the Cardinals regret it. Yeah. Every, who doesn't? Kenyon Drake regrets it. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, look, I'm going to say Lamar Jackson because he would have gone. He went in yeah. our second round. He actually went ahead of Patrick Mahomes in our league and he would have gone very high and he and the Baltimore team have not been performing that well. Uh, absolutely. And, and I, I think that is one that anyone who picked him up in the first couple of rounds will definitely be regretting that. And having just had a pop at the commissioner, he did say this in the draft episodes at the start. He talked about regression of Lamar Jackson's point scoring ability. And I think it's. Let, let's, let's not go into too much <laughs> okay, detail about what he said that sensitive. We don't insult him. We don't compliment him. That's fine. We're taking a neutral stance this week. <laughs> um, we insult him. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Look, Lamar Jackson, do you think this is a rough season for him, or do you think that last season was a flash in the pan? I, th- I think he's going to be fine. He's always going to be, in real NFL terms, a top 10, 12 quarterback because he is good. Yeah. But fantasy-wise, the the yardage and the touchdowns that he got himself last year were so phenomenal. Yeah. There was no way he was going to be able to carry that over again. And they've sort of equipped him now at Baltimore with a plethora of very average running backs. <laughs> and well, and I, I think I think Dobbins is Dobbins, I think Dobbins is quality. Dobbins maybe a bit of a diamond in the rough. He's shown some class, but I mean, great drafted him. But yeah, that's what I was going to say to you. <laughs> I think the Lamar Jackson thing, certainly Lamar Jackson, as high as you took him this year, and he's the kind of player that you wouldn't want to drop, right? Even all the way through the fourteens, fifteens, you wouldn't have dropped him. You might be playing a backup now, but. Just think very carefully about how, how high you take your quarterback. I know there's a trend now for people taking a Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Probably next year, a Justin Herbert, crazy high in the draft. Just a Kyler Murray. Yeah. Give it a minute. Think about it. <laughs> Maybe take another running back or wide receiver because you'll still get someone good in the fourth or fifth even. A sixth, sixth or seventh. And you fine. never know when, obviously, you know, Kyler Murray has been brilliant this season, but you might as well have picked up Lamar yeah. Jackson, who hasn't hasn't done the business. But I think everyone will also be regretting any Baltimore Ravens players they picked up. I, I think that's pretty safe, but um, I can't think of anyone who... Mark Andrews has had his decent weeks here or there. Mark Andrews, and, and given how thin the tight end position is in terms of fantasy points value yeah mark andrews is fine like he'll get you some good games but all the others marquis brown i mean mm. i'm regretting picking up willie sneed off the waivers this week i enjoyed that you did though and he, he made the team <laughs> no he did not but he still won <laughs> i mean i haven't dropped him yet <laughs> i don't think i'd love it if he played if he wins a ponderball my <laughs> life yeah i mean i i think he'll go before that and i really don't think i'll be in it either but you know We'll see. In terms of regrets as well, I'm just pivoting to someone else who's on my team at the minute. DeAndre Swift versus people maybe picking up on Johnson or, or Adrian Peterson in the first weeks of this season. Where, where, did, where did Swift go in our league? I think he was around about the fifth or sixth. I think that's it. I think he's, I think he's been drafted accordingly to his points, give or take. Yeah, I picked him up in the sixth round. I, I don't think you can regret that too much. I... 
don't. And I will actually stand by the pickup of Swift, but it's not through any skill on my own. It's just through a waiting game. But I think as bad as the Lions running game generally is, and as little as you can trust them to be in a position to use it, DeAndre Swift, I think, now has emerged as the number yeah. one player in that Lions team. And he is someone who will get you fantasy points if he's fit and he's playing. Yeah, definitely. Just looking at other wide receivers who went quite early, you've got DJ Moore, who went third round in hours, Juju Smith-Schuster, third round. Two big names who people were hoping for big scores from this year. Yep. And they've both been outshone by other members of their teams. By less staple names, necessarily. Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel on the Panthers, and then... Obviously, as we said, Claypool, Deontay Johnson at the Steelers. Steelers ones being young guys coming in and showing some skill. Panthers being some some old guard coming in and being the preferred choice. But yeah, I mean, I suppose the lesson there as well with, you know, if you're taking something out of that regret is with a wide receiver that you're taking that early, try and focus on the good, the, the best ones on teams where there's a bit of a gulf of skill. You know, and yeah. not not experience or usage, but actual skill. No, I, I, I guess people were looking at Smith Schuster and saying, well, two years ago when Big Ben was fit, Smith Schuster was class. Yeah. Big but, Ben was fit again this year, but, but there's we, other guys emerged around him. Yeah, but we've said it on this podcast as, as well before about that Steelers team is that Smith Schuster looked class when Antonio Brown was still there yeah. and when he could just freely run around the field because everyone was covering Antonio Brown and now he's the Antonio Brown. The Antonio has become the Antonii. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of big names that I think people would be regretting taking in those fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. Your, your Zach Ertz, your T.Y. Hiltons. Yeah, but then, then I think if you're going that far down the draft as well, the, yeah. you know, the, not that far, but the further you go down, the less regret attaches to a pick because of that oh, point. Absolutely. What I will say is I wonder if, if, if given the tight end position this year, there will be a general shift next year into people not picking up a tight end as high at all if they don't get Kelsey or Kittle. It's those two or nothing. Or Waller. Waller, maybe Hawkinson to an extent. Yeah. But, yeah. but like, your Hayden Hurst, your Tyler Higbees are not going to go. Wait, you'd have picked them up maybe in the sixth or seventh round if you didn't have a tight end at that point. But actually, you look at some of the players under that that you could have still picked up, and you could have a better flex wide receiver, and then just, oh, just stream a tight end all season. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Oh, I want to give a special shout out to a, a regret here for a player that people would have dropped after the first couple of weeks, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. I think people will be regretting bidding him off so early. I'm sure that GM Arnett, as a Vikings fan, <laughs> and as a man who's now facing playoff obscurity, is regretting that. I'm sure he is. Yeah. I, in terms of early drop regrets, still reeling from dropping Brandon Cooks after four weeks of nothing. <laughs> and he's gone absolutely bananas since then. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a special regret for me is drafting a load of handcuffs who have not featured once. That is interesting because... You know, as as the now coronated Captain Handcuff, if you can coronate a captain. You can. This has been your whole strategy ever since you started playing this game. Yeah, never um, worked once. It hasn't, but you're stuck in it. So here's my question to you. Next draft, are you avoiding handcuffs? I will find it very difficult not to pick up a Tony Pollard or Latavius Murray. If I see them there and I've got a chance of them or taking a punt on some, 
Joey no body wide receiver. It's going to be tough for me to do it. But I think I'm going to have to force myself. It doesn't work. I think that's fair. All I'll say is, if you don't take any handcuffs, it's a brave new world for the rest of us because that throws a bunch of players back into the mix that we we would all have sort of just earmarked as going to your team. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing I I regret in terms of broader regrets rather than player regrets is I regret not doing any trades up until now this season. There has been more trade activity, I think, this season than previously, but not by much. I've had some offers on the table that I look back now and I was playing very, very cautiously. And I feel like I could have secured some much better players than some of the guys I have now. And I think the lesson I'm taking away is sometimes it's worth throwing caution to the wind. It might not work, but you could end up in a much, much better position. People aren't always going to shaft you. I'd I'd agree with that. I had some decent offers for Jonathan Taylor, as we spoke about last week, that I did not take, and I wish I had. The the difficulty is that uh, most people in our league look at the Fantasy Pros trade calculator, and it always massively favours running backs to wide receivers. So everyone looks and thinks they're getting done over, so no one does any trades. Yep, yep. Because there's a little number that says plus 2% for the other team, minus 1.5% for you. And that number is yep. from the site. Always very small numbers. Yep. And it's from the site who tells you to pick up Henry Ruggs and drop, you know, Randall Cobb the week that Cobb goes nuts. And it's from yep. the site that <laughs> suggests a starting lineup, which is obviously not the best starting lineup for you when the the, the, the chips are down. So, But somehow you still trust that trade calculator. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think this is a game of gut, right? Not anymore. There's only so much stats analysis you can do. So I'm you've got to go with your gut. And if that trade feels right to you, doesn't matter what the the ECRs are saying. Doesn't matter what the start and sitems are saying. Maybe maybe go for it. Well, look, that's our that's a little cathartic canter through our regrets this season. They ask you how you are. You just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine. But you just can't get into it because they would never understand. I, I don't know if that was useful to anyone, but. <laughs> I I feel like I've had some some grievances and I feel lighter for it. Let's let's bosh through the game recap and, and get this one in the gag. Oh, I've just seen maybe starting again for God's sake. <laughs> Every week. What you you mean that we're coming on to the highest scoring win of the week this week, and it's the Lockinators versus the Kings Winford Swines. Yep. Every, every week I'm I'm opening this segment because I face the highest scoring team of the week. It is it is remarkable at this point, and this was a real roller coaster of a game. There's a point that uh, so I should say the Lockinate is 164 points to Kings Winford Swines one three one. Could have gone either way this one at points in the week. There was a point on Sunday evening at about I'm going to say about half past nine ten o'clock where I'd won. Yep. Yeah. It, it looked it looked it looked very good for for the Swines. Yeah, absolutely. And then it all fell apart. And where did it fall apart? Um, I think it fell apart mainly with Jerry Judy. Jerry, Jerry Judy at Miami, fine. Didn't expect him to set the world on fire. I do expect Jamison Crowder against the Chargers to get more than 16 yards. More than a couple of points. Yeah, you'd hope so. And even like the bigger scorers on your team, Russell Wilson, Zeke had a good game by recent standards, but that's only 20 points each. What I will say is this Lockinators team went out to win this one. Obviously, oh, yeah. knowing that they're playoff spot was potentially still in question. I was going to say, I'd agree that it, it really wasn't anything that the Swines didn't do. It was more that the, the Lockinators went bananas in some of the later games. I mean, Derrick Henry pulled off a big touchdown towards the end of their game. 
Yeah, game game winning touchdown in overtime and a, a, a real beautiful thing to watch unless you're the swines, I guess, this week. Yep. <laughs> but 31 points for Robert Woods. And this, the way this LA Tampa Bay game went, and it was a real good game, but the Rams could not run it. No, not at all. At all. Dale Henderson looked shot. Yeah. And so everything went to Cup and to Woods. And, and I'll be honest, the Buccaneers couldn't run it either. No, 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 no. Ron John got nothing. Everything went to the wide receivers. Yeah. Made for a hell of a game to watch. It was a very exciting game, but it meant that that 31 points from Robert Woods and, and the 28 from Tyreek Hill sunk the swine ship this week. They did. And look, you fair play, I've, I've lost to the team who I called weeks ago. I said these guys are going to win the Ponderball. I was going to say, this is your Ponderball pick, so it makes sense. And I'll be honest, I don't want to come up against these guys in any playoffs. This is a this is a big team. This is a scary team. I, I, I I'm starting to see why you've said that they're your pick. Yeah. We're moving on to the the Let's second highest the winning scorer this week. Coming on to the second game of the week, and that's the Honolulu Horn Dogs one six one against the expat Panthers one one four. Big win for the Horn Dogs this week. It's a comfortable win. You're, you're looking through your team, and really, you've, you've got to say, I know the commissioner's been your big critic, but those three players do keep putting up big scores. Yeah, so but here's the thing, right? I texted the commissioner today to say, just so I'm like outside the group, without any of the fishing, without any of the teasing, I was just like, just so I'm clear, which three are you talking about? Because well, I assume he's talking about Justin Herbert, Dalvin Cook, and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, he's not. Right, okay. He's talking AJ about Brown? Yeah, tra- he's talked about Dalvin Cook, Travis Kelsey, and AJ Brown. <laughs> which Okay. For a team that has Herbert at the helm, for a team that's got Antonio Brown in the game, and for a team that has Robinson, Montgomery, and Swift on the bench, I just don't see how any sane man can say this team has <laughs> only three good players. Well, when I thought it was Herbert, Cook, and Kelsey, I was about to say they did put up 90 between them this week, but you, you can't criticise it. I mean, you've picked them up. It's- yeah. No, they had a solid week, but it, it but the rest of the team put together a score. If my team can keep doing this week in, week out, I'm fine. But the Horn Dogs. Unlike the Lockinators, have had their weeks where they've put up a low, low score. And Dalvin Cook's got an awful schedule coming up for running backs. Yeah. But he is Dalvin Cook. Yes. So it might not mean anything. You've got to hope that that skill punches through the the bad schedule. Expat Panthers, on the other hand, a rare loss for them. They go to 7-4. and They are comfortably at the top of their division, and they are one of the only two teams that is definitely through, given the other teams in their division scores. Yeah, they've hit a bit of a bumpy patch though, haven't they? I know they won last week, but I think they lost the game or two before that as well. They did, and this this team is a real chameleon to me. I don't, you know, two weeks ago I said, I think this team's fallen on hard times. Last week I said, I've got no idea why I said that. This team looks great. And now you can sort of see the cracks again. (laughs) Yeah, and and again, it's the same same issues that we talk about every week, the, the, the running backs. Yeah. This week he had he had a great pickup with Carlos Hyde. Yeah, on full battle, Carlos Hyde put up a decent score. But Ron John looked shot. He did absolutely nothing. Yeah, and then the rest of it he's relying on rotating around. It's pretty formidable wide receiver core. Yeah, yeah, but and then it's all about where he gets it right. Yeah, I mean you have got DJ Moore put up a good score this week. Mark Andrews put up a decent score this week. But as we said earlier, DJ Moore and then his other two receivers, Will Fuller and DJ Chark are players who can get you the 20s, but they can also get you the 14s, the 8s, the 4s sometimes, and there's an element of risk. I mean, this looks like a former Horn Dogs team, if I'm honest. This looks like the kind of team that could put up <laughs> a big score in a big spot, but a lot of the time will let you down. I, I think that's exactly what they are. 
I think they're a team that can put up a big score if everyone's firing at all cylinders, but there's there's not a lot of consistency through some of these players. There's some risk there. He'll he'll certainly feel a lot better when Josh Allen is back after the bye because the Alex Smith pickup did not work, obviously. But, you know, let's hope for better things. Yeah, that was a risky move, that one. Risky, risky. Moving on to our third match, and the third highest score this week, Hungry Hungry Hippogriff versus the Floating Head Doctors. Yeah, it's always nice to see your two divisional rivals getting it's, big scores. It certainly is. It certainly is. I mean, look, the Swines didn't do a bad job this week. They got beat by the biggest team in there. But if you want to keep any playoff hopes alive, 156 win over 151 loss in favour of the Hippogriffs does not help. I'll tell you how it does help, though, that it was that way round. It does, because otherwise I would be out completely. Yeah, that... That was a very close win for the Hippogriffs, who are comfortably top of your division and are the only other ones, along with the Panthers, that are guaranteed to go into the playoffs at this point in the season. But if that had been the other way round, Floating Heads would have taken a step closer to the playoffs, and I think the Swines would have been mathematically out. So, yeah. you know, swings and roundabouts, but it's not looking great. Look, these are two absolutely boss performances from teams with exact mirror record. The Hippogriffs go to 7-4 and four and, and Floating Heads go to 4-7. and seven. But I was about to say, you look at these two teams on paper here and they both look very good. Very good. And and I think, you know, as it stands, they will be the two of that division going into the playoffs. And I would be concerned about coming up against either one of these. But then I'd sort of be concerned about coming up against the Swines as well. Um, <laughs> so a, a, a lot of strength in this division. From these two teams... I mean, the hippogriffs, we've said it before, GM Stutt is a man who can take a bad draft team and turn it into something good over a season. And he has to. Yeah, for sure. He has to. Uh, uh, we, we were saying a few weeks ago that he was looking as arguably the weakest team yep. in the entire league. And now you look at it and he's it's a very good team. It's argu- arguably one of the strongest. The wide receiver pickups we talked about previously, but they remain strong. He's got Balage in the lineup now, who will tie him over, hopefully, until Eckler comes back. We're waiting for Stefan Diggs to come back after the bye this week. This is a strong team and it deserves to be top of this division. Um, yeah, absolutely. And let's not disrespect the Flowing Head Doctors for, uh, for a similar, similar thing here. Absolutely similar thing. GM Trav has proved himself year in, year out to have the ability to tinker with a team and make it substantially better. I, th- I, th- I like the fact that both of them are brave with their waiver wire choices. Yeah. They're, they're not afraid to get rid of a, a name player, a big yep. name player who's not performing. So, something that the Swans are bad at. We can yeah. AJ Green for however many weeks. Yeah. And, it's... and missed out on your Robinsons, your Deontay Johnsons, your Curtis Samuels, your Travis yep. Fulgums. Yep. It's it's something that the, the Hondos could take a lesson on as well. Uh, not sitting on a player and just going, ah, but he's meant to be good, so he'll be good in the future. If he's yeah. not good, drop him or and pick I, up someone you think is. Or as I say every week, this is his week. Yeah, yeah, this is his week is a very dangerous mentality in, in fantasy football. Yep. <laughs> and then sometimes it is, right? Like, <laughs> if I had played Naheem Hines on the two weeks out of the last five that he got 28 points, sure. But again, is that player worth it when you can bring in a Deontay Johnson or a James Robinson earlier in the season who's going to more consistently get you points and has a bigger upside potentially? Yeah, and you only have to look at Floating Head's bench where they've got Harris, Pittman, Ahmed. Yeah. he's All he's three recent waiver pickups. Always on the waiver wire and making interesting decisions. And, you know, if you pick up as well, if you pick up Ahmed, Pittman, Harris and Peterson, you can drop the Peterson... If he's the one of those three that don't work out, you could go get someone else, you know? 
Um, and he will. And he probably will. Oh, he probably already has, as far as I yeah. know. <laughs> Look, moving on to our fourth game of this week, and very narrowly behind that score, Bay City Weedwhackers, divisional win, 153 over the Jiglets, 137. And this has a touch of the Lockinator Swines about it. Two very good teams putting up very good scores. One happens to be better this week, but it could mean everything in terms of playoff spot. You, you've got a feel for, for Jim Arnett and the Jiglets here, where they've gone from being, at one stage, they, they, looked, they looked like they had one foot in the playoffs. Yep, yep. They, they looked like they were there, they were flying, and then they've they've continued to put up... I know last week was a bit of a blip. They didn't, was it last week or the week before that they didn't have a great... I think it was last week their score was pretty low. Yep. But they had bye weeks to contend with. But now he's got McCaffrey still missing. Yeah. I, I feel for him. I do as well. McCaffrey, for what it's worth, might be back this week. And you'd certainly hope he's back. But obviously, if you need McCaffrey to get you into the playoffs, having him come back for week 14 is not going to help you at all. So let's hope he is back. Jiglets have a mountain to climb now, as you say, having been up in in the position. But if the divisional games go their way, they can still throw it back on the record. They're not out. It's certainly a tougher position for them than it is for each of the seven and four weed whackers and lockinators. But they've got to play one another again as well. So... You know, anything could still happen in this division. Talking about the weed waxes, just to say, I mean, Deshaun Watson, he kept the faith with with Watson and and he's been rewarded this week, at least, in a a pretty convincing win over the Patriots, if not in the scoreline, but in actual performance on the field. Yeah, Watson's actually been playing very well the last few weeks, hasn't he? It's it's just a shame the rest of this Texas team is awful. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's 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 tough to see for the for the young quarterback, but I don't think the weed wreckers have got anything to worry about. No, I will say a lot of their score again. If you want a team that maybe only has three players this week, most of their score came from Watson, Adams, and the Steelers' defense. But they've got Nick Chubb, they've got Melvin Gordon, they've got Chase Claypool, who are putting up good scores here, and this has got to be the floor of their performance, right? I'll be honest, it's it's all of a sudden looking like a scary team that you really wouldn't want to face in the playoffs. Yeah. If Nick Nick Chubb still feeling his way back into full fitness, but he's suddenly going to have a team that's, uh, that's got a couple of very, very high-quality wide receivers, very, very good running backs, a yeah. good quarterback. Yeah. And then that defence and kicker are never going to do you any harm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, things things looking up for the Weedwhackers then, up for the Lockinators, uphill struggle for the Jiglets, but it, it's not done yet. Moving on to the next game, penultimate game of the week, and that is Butler's Best versus All I Do is Quinn. The Butler's Boys, 143 over the Quinn 104. The Brother Bowl, GM Warren Senior and GM Warren Junior, and and the experience takes it. Yes, and it's, it's a team that, we say it every week, it's been a roller coaster with them. You never quite know what, which Butler's team are going to turn up. Yeah. This week it was the high flying one. Yeah. Keenan Allen has been a fantastic pickup all season. Yeah. Davis was a great waiver wire pickup, sneaking in there when McCaffrey went down. Yeah. And this he's, uh, he's, he's another he's another player. I don't think he gets quite gets the credit he deserves for his waiver wire pickups. Yeah, he does well. He's he's a little bit more chaotic than than maybe GM Trav or GM Stutt, but he gets the job done in 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 certain games and this was a must win divisional game against Quinn and what it's given the Butlers boys is a buffer zone so you know Panthers are already through but Butlers are now two wins ahead of the Quinn team and it's just as well because Butler's last game of the season is against the Commissioner's Chiefs in a week where he won't have Davis, Gronk, Mike Evans or the Bucks defence because of buys so 
realistically, he needed to cement this playoff spot before the last week of the regular season. I mean, if there's any anyone you want to play when you've got a lot of buyers, it's the Chiefs. That's certainly true, but that might be a must-win game for the Chiefs because that might be make or break for their playoff hopes at that point. On the Quinn side <laughs> of things, I don't really know what to say. I mean, Taysom Hill is a nice pickup and a good spot this week, but this team just fell off a cliff at some point. I, I I can't remember the last time I've seen a good performance from Quinn. It's disappointing for them, isn't it? They've they've lost five on the bounce now. Yeah, the season's as good as over. Basically done, I think. Same as the Swines. I don't think they're quite mathematically out yet, but they are essentially out of the playoffs this year, which is gutting for the for the young man. But I mean, Miles Sanders hasn't turned up. I know he's been out injured for a bit, but now that he's playing, he's not really playing on that three and six Philly team. Julio Jones, we talked about earlier. Obviously, Devontae Parker, we say, had a good score. Tim Patrick's a nice pickup if you can catch him on a good day, and this was one of his better ones. But then you look at his bench, and you're relying on Gorman and Slayton off the back of the bye. I don't know. Not looking great for them. It certainly isn't. But they weren't the lowest-scoring team of this week, just. And we come on to our last game, which is Commissioner's Chiefs versus the Goose's Gobblers. And this was a nail-biter of a finish the the last divisional game this week 110 from the Chiefs to 101 from the Gobblers pretty uninspiring scores from either team there I mean it's awful to see isn't it it's not great no do you want to talk at length about either of these guys not really I mean you you, you talk about a three-man team I mean the Commissioner's Chiefs are arguably a two-man team they're arguably the uh, the Calvin Ridley and Kareem Hunt show if those two aren't firing the Chiefs are done yeah, and I, I've said this before to the commissioner when he's criticised me for being a three-man team. Is a, it's not true, but B, also, what's wrong with that? I mean, you should, you should try it at some point. <laughs> you just get yourself... It's a, sh- it's a shame to players. see that. Neither of these teams look that impressive this week. I think both still have the potential to put up more. We said last week that the Gobblers team looked worse and worse as he tinkers with it towards the end of the season. That said, Nelson Aguilar was a nice pick-up this week. It was. Maybe maybe he's he's more on the ball with his wave of pickups than we give him credit for. Yeah, if he is though, he'd drop Aguilar right now because he's got to know that he already has one good game in like three or four. I mean, he'd, be, he'd probably be getting rid of Adam Humphreys to be honest off his bench. Yeah, several probably. players who not done anything for weeks and weeks. And with with the commissioner's chiefs as well, it's sad to see, but Joe Mixon's now definitely got to go, and and that. Without that spectre of, of, of return for the Commissioner's Chiefs, his, his starting lineup is looking a little bit worse. There's still life in the team, and there's still chances in the playoff run, but he's got to score more than 110 if he wants to get that. Do you think we'll be seeing some trades between these two teams in the run-ups and both playing you? I could only imagine that it's already in discussion, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think if, if... I wouldn't be surprised to be facing... Uh, so I've got the Chiefs this week. I've got the Gobblers in the in the last week. I would not Come be su- twice. I would not be surprised to be facing the best team they have twice combined. But look, I don't want to prejudge. I'm not going to shout collusion until the collusion actually and inevitably happens. One can only hope. Well, look, that's our, our game recap, and, and we've sort of talked a little bit about it in our league. We've got the four three team divisions, and while there are two teams through to the playoffs, definitely. No team is mathematically out. This week will be huge for this. And divisional games, head-to-head games, and wins to close gaps in the records are crucial at this point in the season for almost every team not already through to the playoffs. So a lot of exciting things to come up and a pretty nail-biting recap, I would expect, next week. 
But I got nothing else to say this week. Ed, anything from you? Only that if this comes out sounding halfway decent, you have done a fine editing job given yep. the, the time lags. Given the time lags, the internet issues, the, the general rambling. Hey, man, I'll see what I can do. All that is left to say is worth, worth. <laughs>